your um, Bible, please open it to Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. And I'd also like to welcome you all to the Village Church again. I'm glad you decided to come worship with us today. We'll be looking at Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Summertime is upon us, though it doesn't feel that way right now, but it's coming. It'll get here. And the kids are excited. Parents may not be so much, um, but the kids are excited because of summer break. And summertime is usually filled with a lot of fun. You know, playing with your friends, you get to go to the pool, cookouts, family reunions, basketball games, vacations. And, you know, for some people, summertime is, is a break, and for other people, summertime is filled with busyness, particularly for the parents. But between summer busyness and summer break, something can usually, something can get lost. Something can get put on the back burner between the busyness and the break. And, and in fact, what gets put on the back burner may already be on the back burner of your life. Depends on who you are and what you're currently living for. And it's not a what, but it's a who. It's God. The challenge for me each summer is fighting against the idea that summertime means I can take a break vacation from God. And I fight that every summer. That I can take a break from ministry. I can take a break from being a child of God and go do my own thing. I need a time out. But what about you? Where is God going to be in the midst of your summer business? Where is God going to be in the midst of your summer break? Where is he? Where is he now? He must be in the middle of it all. And that's why we're uh, we're going to start a new sermon series called Embrace the Fatherhood of God. Embrace the fatherhood of God. Because I want each of us, including myself, to to approach this summer with the mindset that I'm going to spend the summer with my dad. I'm going to vacation with my dad, not away from my dad, not away from my father. Now, I know the obvious question to to many of us is, 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 what does it mean for God to be my father? What does it mean when he says, our Father is in heaven? See, that's a great question because many of us can tense up when we hear the word Father because of our earthly fathers. Because of the example they set for us or didn't set for us. But God is unlike our earthly fathers. He is different. And Jesus shows us He says in Matthew 6, beginning in verse 9, Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. He begins this prayer with this phrase, Our Father who is in heaven. It's not just to pray that way, but to live that way. To approach God as Father. So let us go to the Lord now in prayer 
and ask him to prepare our hearts for his word. Father, I do echo Richard's prayer from my own heart that, that my pride would move out of the way. I can't deny it. I see the sin that, that's in my heart, my, my need for approval, my need for man's praise. And I pray that your spirit will replace that with Christ. That all I am and all I'm ever going to be in this life is wrapped up in Jesus and in no one else. And I pray that you will help my unbelief for the days in which I don't believe that. That will always be true, not just of my life, but for every life that is here. All that we ever are, all that we're ever going to be is wrapped up in him. So, Holy Spirit, I pray that you will definitely come, that you would definitely be in our midst, that you would definitely minister, not just to our minds, but minister to our very heart and soul. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. This verse reveals two qualities about the fatherhood of God. Two qualities about what it means for him to be our father. First, he is a personal father to his sons and daughters. God is a personal father. He tell, Jesus tells the disciples, call God our father. Jesus shows us that God is personal. Think about it. Father is a, is a person. He's, he has a personality. One of my seminary professors told me, he says, to be, in, to be a person implies the capability of being in a relationship with others. That's what it means. God as Father means he's relational. He wants to be in relationship. Think about the Trinity. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There's a relationship there that exists. And, when, and the same is true when it comes to God and man. When it comes to God and his people. He wants a certain relationship with you. He wants to be your father. And what do you think about that? What, what, what goes through your mind and heart when you hear the words that God wants to be your father? Is it anger? Fear? Joy? Happiness? What do you think of it? What do you make of it? Now, God is not just the father of everybody. He's not a universal father like he's a universal creator. He's only the father of those who have come to saving faith in Christ. Only those. John Piper says, Jesus taught that God is not everyone's father. He is the father of only those who are led by the spirit of his son. That is believers. Those who have come to Christ in saving faith. Those who have surrendered their heart to Christ. Their life to Christ. And if, you've, and if you have done that, you have a father-child relationship with God. And this is a relationship of privilege. Not entitlement. And what I mean by that is that God adopts you into his family. He goes to the orphanage and chooses you. Please know that. If you are a believer today, if you are one that knows Christ today, know that God has adopted you into his family. He chose you. 
He chose to love you. He chose to place his affection upon you. Not just you alone now. You're not the only child. You are part of a larger family. And that means if you're a Baptist or a Presbyterian or a Seventh-day Adventist, y'all are not the only, we're not the only kids. We have other siblings out there. Amen. We're part of a family that God adopts us into. Your adoption means you have all the privileges of all the sons and daughters. He extends it to all of us. Regardless of who you are, regardless of what church you go to, regardless of what denomination you're a part of, he extends it all. He don't have any favorites. He loves us all the same. All the same. J.I. Packer says, adoption is the bestowal of a relationship. A relationship. This means you are God's child before you're anything else to him. But do you believe that? Some of you think, well, I'm a disciple first. I'm a pastor first. Or I'm an elder first. Or I'm a mom first. Or I'm a dad first. Or I'm this for God. I'm a work for God first. I'm a missionary for God first. No, you are a child of the king before you're anything else for the king. You've got to know that first. The question is, what do you live like? Monday through Saturday. Do you live like a child or do you live like an orphan? How do you live? How do you function? Is he your father? Do you live like it? Believe it and live it. Embrace his fatherhood. Don't take a vacation from it. When it comes to the term father, what pictures come in your mind? What pictures? Go back to your childhood. Go back to your dad. Do you have good pictures? I have good and bad pictures. My dad was a, a stoic dad growing up. Disciplinarian, man. I was the only kid who had chores in my neighborhood. The only kid that had to cut grass in my neighborhood. The only kid that had to make his bed every morning before I got up. I knew I was. My dad was hard on me. But he did it because he loved me. But my dad also didn't show emotion. He never told me he loved me. The only time he told me he was proud of me was when I was in my 30s. The first time he ever said it. And so that's just my dad. I know he loves me, just don't know how to show it sometimes. But what about you? In the relationship you have with your dad, what pictures do you have of what it means to be a father? All of us have what counselors call a father wound in our soul. Bishop Stephen Banks, he says in his book, Healing the Father Wound, he says, A father wound is an injury inflicted on a child who does not receive or sense the affirmation of his or her father. This wound is a wound that can be reproduced intentionally or unintentionally. It usually is undiagnosed hurt that remain buried deep in our psyche or subconscious. We all have that wound. A father wound. And that father wound is, it has been left there by earthly fathers. And it shapes our view of what it means to be a father. And what happens to a lot of us is that we project that onto God. 
If your father was there but passive, then you have a father wound. If your father was abusive, then you have a father wound. If your father abandoned your family, then you have a father wound. If your father was hard to please, you feel like you cannot live up to his approval, then you have a father wound. And we would transfer those things onto God. But the good news is that God can reshape your view of what it means to be a father. He can reshape your view of his fatherhood toward you. He can. One Christian says, the better you know what our Heavenly Father is like, the more you will readily leap into his arms in prayer. The better you know what your Heavenly Father is like, the more you will readily leap into his arms in prayer. And that same is true when it comes to the way you live your life. The more you know what he's like as a father, the more you surrender to him, and the more you will live for him if you know what he's like as a father. God has revealed himself in scripture so that he can be known. That's, that's how he reveals. He wants to be known by you. And so he's just not this God up in the sky, this de- depersonalized God who, who is detached from us. He's personal. He's not an idol made of stone. He's not passive. He's not absent. He pays attention to you. He pays attention to you. And he's not a deadbeat dad either. He lives up. He fulfills the responsibility to his kids all the time. And he might not come when you want him, but he'll come because he's an on-time God. He is an intimate father. Intimate father. He wants to be close to you. There is a, a term used in the New Testament for, for father, and it's called Abba Father. And Abba Father is, 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 is in this culture was used by little kids to refer for, to their father as daddy. That's what God is to you. He is your daddy. Your Abba Father. But do you see him as such? How do you see him? He's like the Terminator God, I'll be back type God. Is he just someone that's looking for you to mess up? Is he someone that you think does, 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 does not want you to succeed in life? No. He's none of those things. He is also an imminent father. That means he's close. He's near. He is close to your life. He is close to what you're going through. Don't you realize that your heavenly father is never too busy for you? Never too busy for you. Never too busy to to hear you. Never too busy to want to spend time with you. Never too busy to want to hear you come to him and talk about what's going on in your life. He wants to hear it because he cares about you. You're always under his fatherly care. And you know the most wonderful news about our adoption? That his commitment and love for you does not dry up when you mess up. You know that. He may discipline you, but he ain't ever going to leave you. He, he, he's never going to disinherit you. He had never 
cut you out of his will. He'll never pack your clothes and put them on the porch and tell you to get to stepping. Never. He, even if you run away, he will pursue you to the ends of the earth. He will not let you be a runaway child. He will always find his own. That's love. That's a father. But do you believe it? Do you embrace it? Here. Not just here. Not just in books. It has to be here. Because this is when it changes your life. When it gets inside your heart and soul. Jared Packer also says, if you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child and having God as his father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship, prayers, his whole outlook on life, it means he does not understand Christianity very well at all. Think about that. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls your worship and prayers and your whole outlook on life, it means you don't understand Christianity at all. If you don't understand what it means to have God as your father. So how much do you make of the thought that God is your father? His fatherhood is important for your life. You have to understand it and embrace it. As you go into summer business and as you go into your summer break, Embrace the fatherhood of God. He is a personal father. He is a relational father. But he is also in heaven. He is also in heaven. Because he's also majestic. So what does that mean? It means he is also transcendent. This means that God is not just personal and close to us, but he's also beyond and above us as well. He's a sovereign creator. He's Lord of the universe. He's the sovereign king. You see, we are all, we are limited beings. We're limited by everything, by space, by time, knowledge, power, abilities. We're finite beings. But God is not like that. He is not, he has no limitations. He's, in, he's infinite. He's not bound by the things that we're bound by. He's all-powerful, all-knowing. He exists exists outside our time and world. He controls them. He transcends everything. He made all things. He's the source of all things. This means God can be known, but he cannot be fully comprehended by us. Romans 11.32 says, Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how impossible it is for us to understand his ways. That is our God. That is your Father. But he can still be known. You see, good parents strive to be, strive to have an intimate relationship with their kids. They do. They want to be supportive of their kids, but your intimacy and support of your kids does not come at the expense of your child's respect for you as their parent. That means you're not going to be your kid's best friend. You're your kid's parent. And the same applies to God. In our relationship with him, 
does not come at the expense of our respect for him, for who he is, as our father and as creator of the universe. That's why Jesus says, hallowed be your name. Not our name, God's name. Because that reminds us that there must be some level of respect that we have in our relationship with God. He's personal. He's my dad. But he's also creator. He's also God. He's also holy. That means we are to honor him as such. To hallow his name by praising his name. Giving him what is due him. That is our praise. That's our worship. Psalm 77 says, Your way, O Lord, is holy. All your ways are holy. So whose name is hallowed in your life as you live your life? When it comes to your stuff, when it comes to your role that you play, whose name is hallowed? Who names, who gets the credit for all that's been done in your life? Who gets the glory? Who gets the pat on the back? Who gets the props? Who is truly the man? It's not us. It's our Father. David says in Psalm 115, Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. It should be our desire for God's name to be honored and praised. One, one theologian, Sinclair Ferguson, says, we do not live in intimacy with God in the way that destroys our reverence for him. We do not live in relationship, we do not live in intimacy with God in a way that destroys our reverence for him. And I'll add to that, our reverence for him does not destroy our intimacy with him either. It's both and. Intimacy and reverence for your father. Do you have it? The same respect a parent demands from their child, the same respect God demands of you to him. The same respect. You're not going to let your child talk to you any kind of way. Do not. Because you're the parent. And God has that same expectation of you. I am your father. Live and respect me as such. I'm personal and yet I am majestic as well. A perfect example of God's intimacy and reverence is this table. Because this table is always a reminder to us of his love for us. It's a reminder of how powerful he is because of what this table represents. It's a reminder to to, to the extent that he loves you. It's a reminder to how far he went to make sure he secured his own. It's a reminder how much he did to make sure your soul could be eternally safe. It's a reminder to you That if he did this thing, if he sacrificed this, how can he not also save you from wherever you're going through now? 
You want proof of love? You want proof that God cares for you? The cross. The cross. If that does not prove to you that God is on your side, there's nothing else I can tell you that's going to make you believe that. Jesus came and died for you while you were God's enemy. Not while you were his child. He turned you into a child. He adopted an enemy and made an enemy his son. That's you and me. That, people, is a love. That's loving your enemies to a place where you make them part of your family. And that's you. And that's me. This table is for God's people.